गुड मॉर्निंग और गुड आफ्टरनून डिपेंडिंग अपॉन वेयर एंड वेन यू आर लिस्टिंग टू आर पॉडकास्ट एज यू नो जी टी एम डायलॉग्स इज ए कम्युनिटी फोकस्ड ऑन ब्रिंगिंग बी टू बी सैस फाउंडर्स जी टी एम प्रोफेशनल्स कॉपोरेट्स चैनल पार्टनर्स एंड रीसेलर्स ऑन ए कॉमन प्लेटफॉर्म सो दैट दे कैन नेटवर्क एंड लर्न फ्रॉम ईच अदर आई एम योर होस्ट टूडे एंड आई एम मैनेजिंग पार्टनर एट एंटरथ्रॉन वेंचर्स विच इज ए बी टू बी टेक फोकस सीट फंड रिसेंटली सेटअप इन पुणे and our guest is mr shamil abdullah he is founder and ceo of truetrack which is a marketing intelligence platforms which i believe was started in 2017 early 2017 and uh, in 2019 truetrack raised uh, seed capital from unicorn india ventures and in as per some of the news articles uh welcome shamil uh, to get the conversation going uh, shamil could you introduce yourself to our audience absolutely thanks arup for having me here um arup to give a background about myself uh, i uh, completed my graduation back in 2005 worked in the industry with pro and emc del for around 7 and a half years so uh, this i'm talking about back in 2012 times so my plan was like you know after engineering get an mba so i got an admission from indian school of business i was about to join it that's when the entire smartphone revolution happened and uh, we could see you know app stores coming up you know people putting out their products on the app store and then getting traction so i also tried doing it and a couple of my apps went top 10 in the app store so that made me think like you know should i actually go and do the mba so i dropped out and then started my first company called codeblink long back at this i'm talking about 2012 so that was a very very Uh, i would say knee jerk reaction i don't think i have done a lot of i did a lot of thinking there i had couple of apps which was getting traction i thought let me build on top of it so i resigned i came out uh, and then started building this company called codeblink so when i started building then i realized that okay there are two kinds of companies one is of called service company and another is called product company so you have to make sure that okay where you are going because we were doing a mix of stuff so we were doing some products then revenue was not coming that much and then we did some services it was a mix up knowing your unknowingly our service division like became sizably large or in terms of revenues at least but after like around 10 to 12 months i realized maybe service is not the game i want to be in uh, neither my co-founders wanted to be in uh, so we decided to leave off the service division we we gave it off to one of the big mnc's who does services because at that point of time mobile app development was a new thing uh, hot thing where everywhere the, the the kind of skill gap was huge so we gave off the service division and we focused on the product so that product we named it jeep store started in 2013 ran for 2 years uh, 2015 it got acquired by another company uh, called papertap so this this whole business was in a b2c domain it was a hyperlocal grocery solution uh, a lot tech focused but still in a b2c space uh, when it was getting acquired we had around 120 stores in bangalore around doing around 1000 orders a day uh, the acquisition i was with the company for around one and a half years and it was during that time i started clutrack so clutrack primarily um, right now what it does is like it helps brands to understand uh, what customers want from them what are the customer priorities from the brands because today if you look at it um, the market trends are changing very very fast and for a customer per se there is no need to stick on with one specific brand because if you look at the products everything is above average or good in quality so uh, what makes customers stick on to a brand what are his priorities and how you as a brand you can change with the market trends we as a analytics platform is able to tell brands these are the factors you should prioritize on and how we do it is um, 
it's it's completely different from the traditional market research model where in the traditional market research model it might take three months four months to come up with a study and many times it's biased because of the questionnaire kind of model but here we do we analyze customer conversations coming through multiple channels meet your customer care tickets your nps feedbacks whatever is online whatever is on social media whatever is on e-com platforms we aggregate everything together we analyze using proven market research models and come back and tell the brand these are the factors you should prioritize on and since it is an ai driven platform it is very very fast it's very very uh, cost efficient and it's very very unbiased so that's what cluetrack does right now this is in nutshell about my starting uh, of the journey back in 2012 uh, with multiple startups this is like third startup cluetrack is like 3 years old right now uh, but altogether if you look at it, it's like 8 years in the startup industry that's that's fantastic shamil and i think i think uh, there is a huge advantage when you have previously run businesses you have gone through certain learnings you have gone through certain mistakes and it helps you make sure when you are running a third venture you would have already a steep learning curve which help you kind of increase your in some sense chances of success if i may use the word uh tell me one thing you earlier ran this jiffy store which was a b2c focused company what was the motivation to uh to get into b2b as a space what excited you to 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 change the course uh, from b2c to b2b um i i don't think when i was starting to track i thought whether it is a b2c or a b2b more uh in fact the genesis of cluetrack is um, slightly interesting because i never started cluetrack thinking to make cluetrack a full time startup so the the background was something like this after we got acquired um and i was spending time with peppertap who acquired us i was thinking of you know going back to my old passion of building mobile apps so when my first company i had developed certain apps uh, which are like small small apps which we could develop within like a week or a two utility apps uh, but giving good revenue some of them are still there uh, because that entity is still there and some of the products are still there which is still giving us revenues um it's good revenues for an individual per se not maybe like a company so the idea was like can i make maybe like five or 10 such kind of apps uh, which can give me revenues which I, where i can interact with com- some customers and get add value but giving me some passive revenue over a period of time so my idea was like okay if say you can develop such apps because i have done so many apps in the past like that taking around 2 to 3 weeks of development time but giving you revenues for like maybe like you know 3 years or 4 years by 3 years or 4 years it becomes like not relevant anymore markets would have changed and maybe you'll have to find a new idea so my my point was like to get such kind of revenues can i make apps in a factory line model so just like okay you have a you have like you know maybe like 10 volunteers right and and every 21 days we release an app and and we keep on doing it like small small apps 21 days app goes out okay we have we have very good playbooks on the app store on how to market and so on so it's like set so can i keep on doing that so uh, so for doing that the primary point was like if say you have to create an app you should be solving some people's problem and the way i used to find mobile app ideas was going through customer reviews of existing apps so i i go i go and look at you know general reports on the mobile app space like app any and so on figure out the emerging segment go and read the reviews of everyone i figure out the gaps and then i come up with a small app this is the methodology i used to follow to develop a winning app now this particular process of reading through reviews is a very painful job 
so there will be like if say it's a it's a vibrant sector okay there will be like hundreds and thousands of reviews and going through it is a very big pain because if you read 100 reviews in fact what gives you actual value will be just like maybe six or eight of them so getting that useful ones was difficult so clue track program was first written to filter out these reviews now once we wrote this program what i did is like i went and spoke to some of my friends in ptm book my show and so on uh, where they are like product managers and showed some of the results we got from the output on on the ideas they said this idea is really good uh, and it would be worthwhile maybe like spinning this out uh, or or giving this as a product itself that's when i started talking to different segments and i realized that maybe uh, better than product managers this would fit better for marketing folks and that's how we repositioned this product for marketing folks did some initial runs and it was like fairly successful and that's when we decided okay let's come out and try doing this full time got it i, I think that's that's fantastic and i think that's uh, uh, that's an amazing story i think two very good learnings one is uh in general for for any entrepreneur uh, who is trying to uh, aspire to build or come up with an idea this is a great way to identify uh, some spots some gaps where they could come in and and pitch in even though they are in a competitive space right uh, that is one uh and and um, the other aspect that i that i picked up on is uh, kind of uh, <clears throat> uh, uh kind of when you look a problem within and then trying to solve a problem uh, then trying to solve that problem creates a creates a good validation in absolutely and absolutely. and that creates a path for uh, for kind of you yourself being customer of that that uh, that product absolutely absolutely and when we solve our own problems we have one extra level of understanding on what we are trying to solve and we are quite passionate and will be more energetic to solve those so that's something which i have realized several times in the past as well and and many of the products we have built even gift store for that matter was built in that way so it was built for you know getting an order delivery done from my our, our nearby store uh, that's where we started off so yeah that's a fantastic point for anybody who is trying to start off looking at your own problems or solving your own itch the way they say in the valley is 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 a great way to start off fantastic tell me a little bit about when you were doing this research of reviews and all did you also look outward from the context of competition were there other players who were solving this problem and 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 i believe it's been 3 3 4 years for for you to run this organization how the competitive landscape has evolved a period of time how your customer behavior has changed and uh, because of that how you as a your you as a organization and your product has evolved uh, because of that uh, so uh, we did not on day one look at competition of course especially because of the way it, it, got, it got evolved like i was telling we never thought we wanted to make it like a full time startup and so on the idea was can i can i find good mobile app ideas till then we were just focused on that particular aspect and once we found okay okay we can find some good interesting ideas then we started thinking about okay how can many people use it that's when the whole thing about okay are there competition out there are our existing customer is my target persona using some other solution came into picture now in the problem statement which i had in the beginning of you can find mobile app ideas i could not find many competitors but at the same time i also want to tell that that same product of helping you find mobile app ideas did not help me as well to gain revenues nobody was ready to pay me anything for that 
So that's when we started talking to different segments of people and where we got an initial indicator, positive indicator from marketing folks. Now we went to marketing. Uh, so when we went to marketing again, when we talk about are you do, do, doing or do you have a solution which is very similar to this, at least in the next four or five months, we did not get any answer. Or, and, and one more aspect was like marketing was a domain which was completely new for us. Me nor my co-founder is, is from marketing background. Neither are we from market research background. No, we are just like people who know about technology. Okay, more maybe we know about mobile apps and so on. Marketing is a totally new landscape for us. So it was more of rather than looking at the competition, we were talking to customers to understand how they work, what 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 makes sense for them, what what do they get, what excites them, what takes off their pain. We were more focused on that, and then we started delving in deep, and our offerings became deeper. Then started coming up. Okay, okay, for this kind of problem statement, I I use maybe like this kind of agencies. I use market research in this way. And in market research came in this way. I use social listening tools, but social listening tools have got these many drawbacks where you guys fit in. So we started getting these responses. That's when we actually first started charting out who are my competition. Now, this whole charting out about competition, even in the initial days did not help us much because our sales were all driven by um, reaching out to people Talk, you know, talking to them, showing them a demo and converting. And many a times whoever has tried to do in the past, we could see some sort of a uh, inclination to take our solution or try our solution. So we went, so the, again, the focus went on to like, okay, how we can get these customers and how we can make them recurring. What is our gap? So we just kept on focusing on that. And over a period of time from market research, we, we entered into customer experience. So we realized that, okay, uh, market research is something which people use it like for for maybe like once if say we want to add continuous value there are two areas where we actually can delve into one is called campaign tracking for marketing folks and customer experience tracking for experience and branding managers so we entered that particular one again purely guided by customers we did not get uh, outside indicators because even searching on the google keyword volumes looking at the existing competition we did not get clarity picture on what it is now we entered to this domain, we started selling more. Uh, we start, our offering becomes more boundary. We became more appointed solution. We knew what we were selling. We knew what we were talking about. We knew what use cases we are going to, we are telling our customers. At that point of time, then we could pointedly ask, okay, I'm solving this use case for you. Which other solution have you used? And for this, identifying this, uh, customers who are from outside India has helped a lot. Uh, because they would have, they had already evaluated some solution. They have tried some solution. They could point out this is the drawback which we were looking at, or this is where you can add a value. We could really clearly focus on that. So, so what we did is like we started talking more to such customers. We are still continuing talking. We are we have not stopped it. Now we are starting one another exercises of exercise of again talk going to specifically customers from the U.S. talking to them and then see what all custom what all products they have seen. We are continuously doing this so that we can see where we exactly fit in. Uh, we are very clear that we don't want to be everything and we can't be. Uh, we, uh, we are very close to a position where we know, okay, which are problems we solve. We just want to fit it in well compared to other solutions out there. So right now is a place where we are aggressively doing or figuring out who my competition is like, uh, what, what, where, why do customers go to him for? What are his advantages, disadvantages? If he has got disadvantage, can I be complimentary to him or should, should I compete with him? If I compete with him, what are the primary segments where I, which I'm going to compete with? What the additional value as a one-stop solution can I offer? Uh, such kind of things we are we are discussing, or say we are thinking of at this point. 
Got it. One interesting point that you made very, very early in the conversation around not having people with marketing or, or kind of the smart tech as a background, right? Uh, what, what, how you look at it now? Uh, would you, if you, in hindsight, would you have preferred to have someone coming with marketing background? Or you think that this played actually in your advantage because you were able to take a fresh perspective on this as a, as a segment? So uh, uh, in hindsight, what, what is your reaction uh, to, to building your earlier team? So in fact, all through this time frame, we have always tried to onboard somebody from a strong market research background to be with us either as a mentor or consulting, etc. But one area we have always found uh, is that when somebody who has worked in an industry for a long time comes, he comes with a lot of baggage. And that baggage, at least in the market research industry, is very much focused on services. Do everything, do anything and everything. Uh, okay. Uh, make it like a big flap set of services. Uh, so that's the kind of angle we have been able to get. And we have always struggled to marry this with kind of a, a, a point solution, a scalable point solution uh, kind of angle. But of course, we, over a period of time, we have, we have a set of advisors, a set of well-wishers from the market research industry who have been helping us all through the time. Uh, telling, okay, this is one uh, which can make a big difference. And these, help, these advices have, have helped us a lot in terms of saying what is my offering, articulating it the right way to the end customer because we need to speak their language. We need to find out, okay, what they struggle with. And uh, though um, most of, or none of these people have actually come on board full time, we are having a set of people whom we have always gone back to. And we have some very good names as well at that, you know, who are from this background or to whom we always pose a question, say this is a problem I'm having, or these are the set of things which my customer has come back. What do you think is more important? Why do you think so? Uh, that has actually helped us. Though somebody like that has not come as a co-founder or a core team member is of course there, but I think that is still fine. We can, we can still manage it. Very interesting. Uh, so it seems like um, uh, Shamil, you are selling to large enterprises and particularly B2C as a segment because of the nature of your product. And that too, this is some, some prelim review. I sense that you are, you are targeting a couple of sectors, right? Um, automotive, retail, uh, I believe, uh, FMCG as, as another area, right? Uh, tell us a little bit about how you built your uh, GTM function uh, in terms of your ability to, uh, to reach out to these customers, uh, build pipeline and acquire them. And, and more importantly, how this function has kind of evolved over a period of time, how you started it, was it when you, when in your earlier days, was it largely founder driven sales as you evolved, how you built your team around it and, and more importantly, how it is expected to, uh, to evolve over a period of next uh, 12 to 24 months. So uh, initially we, when we started the sales, of course, it was through, um, people whom we know about our networks. Uh, so like I was telling, since we were more from the tech background, we started with product managers. Then we realized, okay, we have to go to marketing. We started getting connects on that. So we started talking to a lot many people in the domain. Uh, and the initial GTM was all about, guys, we have something like this. Do you think this adds value? What problem can we solve for you? What are the problems you face in a similar adjacencies? How can we solve for it? And this discussion kept on uh, happening. And then from there, we started getting initial customers. 
and the initial customers when we when it came uh, we we wanted to make sure that it is in the adjacency itself but we we used to get some initial uh, requirements which is like around okay maybe somewhere going around but initial some of the days we even tried that because we did not know whether that is going to be a bigger bigger demand or this going to be so initially we had some set of solutions we try to articulate always every time when we have a requirement we try to come back put it on uh, to a whiteboard and then say okay this is my offering this is a pain point i'm solving uh, um, and and let's go and ask him how much he is going to pay okay is it is it going to get us revenue so we we started saying okay there are certain things which is getting us revenues and once we started getting the initial revenues then we started looking at okay which of these are coming repeatedly back to us are there any customers sticking on onto it so there those offerings which are like sticking the customers are coming back to us we started looking at why are they doing so then we start trying to articulate okay if he is doing this for this particular reason can i find somebody else who's who's who will find the offering useful then we started reaching out to similar customers initially it was all done by us like reaching out with through connect etc then we felt like you know uh, say suppose i talk to 10 people or 12 people the kind of conversion i'm getting is slow at the same time i want to you know pay for my team and so on right so i have expenses of my own that's when we realized okay uh, we need to reach out to people who are quite slightly senior in the organization at least for the offering we were doing at least that clarity we had even though we did not have a clarity about the kind of designation he might be having we knew that somewhere in the marketing branding the people would be there so we bought somebody uh, who can do telecalling and since we want to speak to a uh, higher up uh, people who are higher up in the organization we brought somebody who is very much experienced uh, and of course we had some sort of an arrangement uh, again uh, the the person also was a, a contact of ours we knew him from some time pretty good in the market research industry so we started with him so he started calling out the different different people and then uh, we started getting some initial traction like initial external customers i would say so this this range from strategy team marketing team customer experience team now we cracked certain orders from there then we started once the once we start getting the uh, pocs we start talking more to them on why they bought it what made it advantages then the same customers so get what we realized is like getting new customers is difficult existing customers expanding to a continuous order or expanding within the organization is an easier game in b2b sales than trying to get a new organization altogether because many times one P, in the initial days at least one poc used to take two months right and then you know getting them talking to them is is difficult so what we did is like we tried to build the relationship within the organization and there were several instances so one point i have noticed always with uh, uh, whatever we have done there be one thing we start up with great focus we see some results maybe for some time we lose that momentum and we go we get distracted and we again come back maybe because of lack lack of bandwidth something will be wrong product not working a lot of things so uh, uh, but then again and again repeating same thing we realized you if you get a customer talk to him spend more time with him because our tic- tickets are higher you can afford to talk to customers more longer and then try to expand with him so th- in that way we started seeing the next uh, uh, milestone was like you know we started seeing customers converting to recurring order we started the expansion within organization so customers themselves coming in saying okay you okay i am i am in the banking division why didn't you go to life insurance division i am in the strategy division of automotive okay why didn't you go to inside division of automotive so we just started seeing, seeing these variations and then we could see that okay there is a uh, cloud getting uh, build up so what we did is like we put an extra effort on the sales team outreach 
we added one more team uh, we we knew somewhat idea about persona by this time uh, so we we started charting out we started building a database we started building down their contact list uh, then very focused we start building their emails and phone numbers then uh, planning a reach out so since call has worked for us so we start calling more people again it started expanding so in between all these things we have done some sort of channel sales as well uh, we have brought in channel partners to sell uh, the product uh, uh, but channel partners, what we have realized is that for channel partners, we don't have much control. Some of the channel partners work fantastically well. Uh, unless you know you fall in their primary focus area, they might not drive your sales. So the point is like channel, at least in the initial days, it is a luck. Okay, if it works, it works. Otherwise, it won't work. I don't think it can be a strategy. I think strategy sh should be as an early stage startup should be that you know we should focus on onboarding our own sales. And uh, if it is enterprise, B2B, higher executives involved, it's better to get somebody who can uh, talk to them in that way and, and, and drive it. And for us, it was a phased layered one. The, we had a person who to call, there was a database person. And for demo, we have founders ourselves used to do it. So that's how we started off. Uh, and then when we started getting some traction uh, in that one, then we started expanding to uh, geographies. Uh, outside geographies, initially we started doing the same methodology, bringing in channel partners. But channel partners, we have got you know some some uh, yeses, some some uh, nos as well. So it has worked, has not worked. But we really feel that that strategy is not something we can be hundred percent dependable. It may work, it might not work. Uh, so we started with that, and then we started on the US. In the US, um, we we uh, last year. Uh, the idea was like, you know, uh, myself and Subhu spend more time in the US and get the sales going. And in fact, we, we had the momentum, we, we got the momentum started by around uh, Feb, March of this year. But due to COVID, we had to wind up everything and we had to come back. Uh, but I think uh, the way we are looking forward for the sales right now is like, um, uh, so we'll be expanding more in the US. Uh, and for that US sales, uh, maybe like when things become normal, we might travel back. Uh, till then, we'll be focusing more on the uh, very, very account-based outreach uh, through emails and through uh, social media and so on. Um, calls, of course, are there. Um, but for the US, at least, uh, calls is something which we are still trying to figure out how to set it up. Okay. Uh, Shami, it's quite interesting that, that you highlighted that for you guys, direct sales and account-based marketing is giving you better uh, results versus channel partnerships. And, and this sounds uh, uh, very, uh, very different uh, from a lot of entrepreneurs who are particularly selling to, to large enterprises. And, and what I hear largely from them is that they depend very much on channel partnerships because one is that they feel that kind of uh, this dealing with large metrics enterprise organization reaching to the decision maker uh, if you have a channel partner who already have that relationship, uh, needle move faster, right? So, but but what I hear from you is that that hasn't worked for you, right? Uh, it's quite uh, interesting. So, if you ask me, uh, it, has it not worked for? It has worked for us. So, for uh, right now, also our channel sales contribute like forty percent of our revenues right now. Okay, sizable. But what I'm trying to say is like um, channel partnership is not something which you can hundred percent depend on. Uh, so, so uh, what, a couple of our observations, like, uh, of course, they help to open foot. They, they have foot in the door with a lot of big organizations and they'll help you enter there. Uh, 
but the point is like can you put a metrics that okay using this channel partner i'm going to make this much of sales in the coming six months that is difficult so in the earlier days uh, to make some initial sales it can be a good strategy just like how you outreach uh, outreach the end customer you can try outreaching channel partners and then see are you able to get some conversions or not if say you are getting pretty good conversion of course maybe that itself is a way to go uh, but for us at least the conversion was like here and there okay it might, it can happen it happens and suddenly in next three months he gives large number of revenues for us but then suddenly he goes cold and and you know no more low, new, new customers coming that also can happen because it's out of your control so that that problem is always there so uh, maybe like you know at an early stage when you start off i think it will be a good idea to uh, uh, put two buckets uh, both end customers and channel partners and try to reach out both and see what is working out and one more problem we have found with channel partners is like since you don't have direct interaction with the customers somewhere your feedback loop gets cut off mm, that is so that makes that makes it difficult to basically uh, fine tune your pitch because you are missing out as you go correct so you are not you are not having full visibility on what's happening on the other side so that takes longer time for you to evolve your product as well so what i feel is like it's better to put two uh, uh, strategies reach out in a similar way because reaching out to channel partners and customers is almost similar uh, contacts and network and then outreach at least in the b2b sales yeah. try to do the same thing and if say there is a success coming on the channel partner you know uh, uh, try doing that but then it cannot be a dependable strategy is what i'm saying you can full time bank on yeah makes sense and completely agree and, and i think that's because you you are adding a middle layer to it and and it also depends on the motivation and the commitment of that channel partner to drive sales for you right so sometimes and and it is completely agreed so tell me one thing if i ask you this question shamil that uh, where you stand today uh, do you have a a sustainable uh, repeatable and consistent sales in, engine in place uh, by that what i mean is that if someone comes to you uh, saying that here is a fat big check invest in your kind of uh, uh, gtm as a function and grow your your sales now, are you at this stage or or you think you still have to fine tune uh, this as a function before uh, you put uh, your your uh, leg on the on the accelerator paddle so so right now uh, um, if you look at uh, in terms of clarity of what is to be done uh, we have pretty good clarity um and um, what to be done for the sales engine we also that also we have pretty good clarity this is what has to be done because it has worked we have tried several things and some things have worked and we know what works in that way we are very uh, clear set uh, in terms of okay are there scope for improvement absolutely yes there is like a lot of things we can improve we can we can evolve and of course whatever um, extra legs we are doing right now um, uh, after realizing so we are getting some level of inbound also of lead uh, so so setting that line there are a lot of learnings which will still have, which which makes us fine tune a bit the especially the way we do uh, primary thing is like the inbound one uh, in terms of people coming to website and converting as the lead it, there is like some things which which we have uh, great great revelations we have had of late i think there is a lot of things which we can build over there in terms of clarity on what to do we are pretty clear in terms of execution of it yes we have some way to go in terms of putting that in place yeah yeah so fantastic that's that's great to know so for coming 12 months uh, maybe 12 to 24 months what are the biggest challenges that you see for yourself uh, uh, as you grow your organization and what is your strategy to tackle them 
so uh, primarily last year we have decided okay, uh, we have it's time we move we move our sales more mostly to us or get uh, onboard more us customers uh, primarily because of multiple reasons one is uh, maturity of the market um, uh, the kind of acceptability for a solution like ours um, uh, and and so on we felt us is the best market so our goal last year was like understand the us market get the initial initial uh, uh, things balls rolling that we have been successful um, right but and and the mechanism we identified was very clear like there was some level of outreach and some level of pitam street uh, to get at least the the first uh, i would say 15 20 customers in a recurring way that uh, so we had very clear strategy laid out we had very clear geography laid out we had very clear designations out there now with the covid coming in we had some constraints in terms of in terms of going in person uh, not only because we we are not able to travel it's all also because a lot of the people out there are also working from home so this change in dynamics we have we are trying to figure out a new mechanism or a new sales engine to basically drive sales for flowtrack that's the that's the primary focus i would say in terms of a strategy we are looking for in the coming 6 to 12 months uh, we have made some headways uh, but of course we, we will see uh more results of it in the coming months uh fantastic uh, shamil i think we are pretty much in the last leg of of our conversation uh and typically i ask uh, because you have gone through the journey you have been an entrepreneur for last 8 years uh, you have been through huge amount of learnings uh, by yourself and currently in in martech space what what advice you could give to uh, to professionals or founders who are aspiring to build a venture particularly in broader market as a space and then what do you think are going to be the the major kind of headwinds or tailwinds that uh, that the founders needs to be aware uh, to be venturing into the space so some advice to to the aspiring or very early stage founders Uh, for the market space, two two points to be uh, very much focused on. One is, of course, as with any other SaaS product we are building, clearly focus on the pain point what you are trying to solve. Uh, so very much focused on okay, what is the pain point? How big is the pain point? Has people tried to solve this problem before? How they have they how how have they tried to solve it before? How much um, is the cost or or advantage they are going to have? Be focused on that. I'm sure that it all this won't come on day one. but be very very focused on the pain point and try to solve that pain point and second especially in the martech mark uh, martech space a uh, lot of technologies and solutions are already there so the moment you find there is one pain point okay this is a valid one just make a check for other alternatives are available you can talk to the customer directly on that as well for our case we evolved and reached martech at the ultimately but if you are starting in the martech and you are know that okay it's in the ma- uh, marketing space uh the moment you know there's a problem statement this is what the customer wants to solve talk to a bunch of similar personas see what they are using to solve this are they aware of some product or or can you dig up some product if so you can dig up some product why is it not very popular so these are the areas you can think of so primarily i would focus rather on the problem at hand how much you can solve and how how big a pain it is for customer to pay for that will be the primary focus second would be like every in market space every, anywhere you go and say people say okay that solution is there it's crowded so just keep a watch for what are the solutions people are using there can be small 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 solutions which are out there uh, maybe like you know you can g- gain a lot of inspiration also from them look out for such solutions 
fantastic uh, uh, shamil uh, i think we we are done uh, and uh, again thank you so much uh, for your time i think it was a wonderful conversation and uh, i'm i'm confident that uh, community would really benefit from this conversation uh, and uh, again thank you so much and uh, uh, take care great speaking to you saurabh thanks for having me here uh, glad to be part of it thank you very much okay thank you bye bye, bye. bye.